1: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, episode 24.
2: This is Writing Excuses, hooking younger readers. 15 minutes long.
3: Because you're in a hurry.
2: And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star, Kaylee Snyder.
3: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Real excited to be here. Highly. Kylie said, Yes, Snyder. that's Sorry. okay. It happens. It happens. It's Sorry. not a big deal.
4: Kylie, you are a school librarian.
3: Yes, and I love it. I love work coming in my job every day, working with students, working with books, getting, uh, working with readers who are avid readers as well as the reluctant readers. Um, it's great. You job. said
5: something about reluctant readers when we were uh, when we were talking prior to rolling digital tape mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> that that I just loved. And could you say that again?
3: Yes. When I have a reluctant reader come to the library and tell me, "Miss Snyder, I don't like to read books, what do you suggest? I take them to the graphic novel section. I pull out a handful. Awesome. (laughs) I love graphic novels, and sometimes you need a break from a book. Sometimes you need to read through a good comic. And um, that works well. I've had some success with that. Um, As far as them reading the graphic novel adaptations and then reading the actual book, like with the Percy Jackson series, that's um, I didn't realize effective. there was a
1: Percy Jackson graphic novel. That's cool. There are
3: uh, three of them.
1: I was just wishing that my school library had, had a graphic novel section. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so here's um, my question for you. Do you carry Watchmen? No. Um, my no, question... it's in my
3: car, though. <laughs> 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 I'm serious. It's probably overdue. A little bit
4: too much uh, full frontal on that one, I yeah. suppose. Um, so my question for you is what hooks younger readers, like when you see, when they come in and they fall in love with something, is there anything you can define about those books that is working that other books maybe just don't?
3: I think, um, with young adult literature, you know, grades six through eight, it really has to be relevant to them. It has to be a familiar voice, um, using Steelheart as an example. David is a familiar voice and, um, one they can follow, you know, they can follow him in his pursuit, um. That sense of um, having that relation with the character, I think, is a, a big deal for them. And that's been successful.
1: Um, so, so I'm wondering, when you're talking about the, the familiar voice, because there's two things that go through my head. One is the, uh, the actual words that are being spoken. Um, like the, the syntax, the, the way the way things sure. string together, and the other is um, the character's uh, point of view, the way they, uh, what they are interested and passionate about, and their problems and concerns. Is it is it a mix of those, or one of those more than the other, or?
3: You know, I, I would say it's a mix of both of those. Um, you know, it depends, but definitely a mix. Um,
4: you know, I've heard this many times before um, on panels, talking to librarians, um, that the young adult genre that voice is king or queen or whatever of the book. Uh, this is why you, hear, you see a lot of the first person mm. used in these young adult books because if you can start off with a strong voice, people are like, yeah, I would want to hang out with this person or yeah, I know this person sounds like me or I really like this sense of sarcasm. Um, I've often said it, it lets you cheat a little bit as a writer. It's one of the great advantages of first person is that you can, you can get across information that would normally be boring. That would normally be kind of an info dump, except you put it in this fun first-person narrative, and suddenly it's this—you know—this character talking snark about something or someone, and you're in love with them. Or it's this character, you know, talking about just how awful their life is, and you're like, "Oh, I feel so sorry for you." Simply putting it in voice can be that spoonful of sugar that makes the whole story go down.
1: Yeah, and I will say that you can actually do that with third-person narrative as you well. You can. But it requires. But a lot of people forget that you can.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We think that uh, third person narrative has to be flavorless, mm-hmm. unless you're doing actual dialogue, and it doesn't. You know, you still you're still inside their head. You're still describing how they see what they see.
4: In fact, if you look at Harry Potter, even the omniscient in Harry Potter has a very. There's a tone of wit and mm-hmm. fun and mm-hmm. whimsicalness to even her omniscient. And when she gets into viewpoint, it's the same way. I remember reading the the first line of chapter one, which is, comes, you know, not the prologue, but the first ch- line of chapter one where it talks about, you know, Mr. Dursley, is it, having mm-hmm. not enough neck and Mrs. Dursley having too much neck. And uh, that yeah. line alone had me. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. that voice mm-hmm. in that narrative is just going to have, the story is going to be fun.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think what you said about character and about... Uh, feeling attached to a character, you know, that is far and away the number one fan mail that I'll get on the partial series is, I love Kira so much, she's just like me. Mm. You know, that outweighs everything else by a mile. And Another
3: very popular series in our library, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, thank, you,
2: thank you for pretending. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and stop for the book of the week.
4: Um, The book of the week this week is one I'm doing. Um, It's actually, I would categorize it as new adult, which is this kind of almost imaginary category that we put after young adult, but before adult. Um, Everyone I talked to is not quite sure if it even exists, but this feels like one. It's uh, Uprooted by Naomi Novik. I actually don't know the reader yet because we're doing this far enough ahead and I had an advanced copy that I wasn't able to look up who would be doing the audio book, but I loved this book. It's a dark fairy tale retelling of a fairy tale I've never heard before. Naomi may have made it up, I intend to ask her. Um, It's Polish. The whole thing is themed very Poland. You never feel like, you know, it never says, we're in Poland, but the names, the setting and everything, you're like, wow, I'm in Eastern Europe and it's really cool. It feels very authentic, what they're eating, what they're talking about. Um, It's the story that starts off with a woman talking about the wizard. Or the, the dragon, I'm sorry, the dragon, who is actually a wizard. Dragon is his title. She's like, our dragon doesn't eat people, but he does require a sacrifice now and then. Um, <laughs> something like that. And this young woman ends up being the sacrifice that's sent to his tower. And apparently, the reason for that sacrifice is so we will have somebody to clean for him. Um, and, the, and so I'm sure she started with a story about a dragon eating people. As a sacrifice, and she turned in. dragon as a title of wizard. Every wizard has a ranking. This wizard requires the young woman as a sacrifice, but instead she goes there and starts uh, doing all this stuff. And he has other mysterious reasons for wanting her, um, but it turns out she starts learning magic from him um, unexpectedly, both to him and to her. And she has a very different style of magic than his own um this story is fantastic it is um not doesn't go where i was expecting it from that opening um and i had a blast reading it
1: where do, do they, where do they get it
4: they get it at audiblepodcast.com slash excuse where they can get a 30-day free trial and they can download load uprooted by Naomi Novik or one of her um Temeraire novels which oh, i have book talked yeah. before um and chosen as book of the week uh his Majesty's dragon is also by her and is a fantastic novel
5: Brandon, something you said about, uh, about new adult as mm-hmm. a category, yes. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, part of the discussion of categories uh, often centers around, you know, a category exists whether we want it to exist or not. Right. If books are being shelved that way. Mm-hmm. And my question for you, Kylie, is uh, how much control do you have over the way you shelve things? And have you moved mm. things around and found that by... By putting different books together, you see different books moving with your students.
3: Sure. Yeah. Good question. Um, our library is set up by genre. Mm-hmm. So instead of using the Dewey, set up by genre, genre, we have science fiction, we have fantasy, realistic fiction, romance, graphic novels, yay, um, <laughs> historical fiction, mystery, and so uh, we have a new book section, and so we advertise what's new. Um, we have popular picks, what students recommend. Um, we put those on there as well. Sometimes I do book recommendations, do book talks, um, bring students in to introduce them to the new materials. Um, what's what's popular?
5: And so, do you find that, uh, for instance, if something, if something has the popular picks tag on it, that it's just going to get checked out again and again and again yeah. until you pull it off the, that shelf?
3: Sure. Yeah. How and much does
5: it cost for me to put a popular picks <laughs> tag? <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, you know they he
5: it's, wants it's, to buy endcap
2: space in our yeah. library,
5: <laughs> but that's uh, I mean ultimately that question when we talk about shelving, when we talk mm-hmm. about when we talk about marketing, when we talk about uh, about genre and category. Fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. What shelf do we end up on, and how does the librarian or the bookstore owner present our work to their audience? Because really, our readers are your audience you're the gatekeeper for them you're the one who is telling them how to get to our stuff and and how do we become better friends with you and better <laughs> position <laughs> i'm sorry i turned it right back around into another bribe but uh <laughs> no, does the our question make sense
4: yeah our listeners want yeah. to um they want to write books that people want to read um sure. and they want to know how their those books are getting into people's hands
3: right um uh, that's a good question. That's something I'm learning myself. I'm a first-year librarian and um, learning these new things and ways to hook readers and get them. Um, one thing, when books come out, it's hard because sometimes genres cross over. Is it more of a fantasy? Wait, or is it more of a science fiction? Um, you know, working with those things is something new I've been learning. So,
4: how, how do you do your pitches on the books? I assume you can't read everything that comes through. Uh, Do you look at? Do you use like library journal, or do you use the back of the book, or do you just try to read everything you can?
3: I try and read, Mm -hmm. but obviously that's hard when you're talking to five middle school classes in one day. And then, but the books you do talk about, they get checked out right away. So it's like, okay, I got to think of new books. Um, I use online resources. Um, Sometimes students will ask for a reading, like Mm -hmm. read the first uh, few pages. Um, using the back of the book is fine, too. Sometimes I show book trailers. Hmm. There are some really cool book trailers out there, and that's another way to incorporate the media, getting them hooked, because um, there are some books in the library I was not interested in reading. Once I saw the book trailer, I thought, this is awesome, I want to go see this movie. Yeah, so, but, but I, I can't, because it's not a movie, <laughs> so i got to read the book.
2: Book, book trailers are, are, I'm glad you brought those up, yeah. because a lot of authors do not take them seriously, especially mm-hmm. adult authors. They're huge in YA. They're
3: so awesome. Yeah. And
2: it's because you are, you are, you know, pitching these books to an audience that spends so much time online and on YouTube. And they're something that's very easy to send to your friend and say, hey, check this out. Um, they're a big, big deal. And uh, authors, you know, us stodgy adults who didn't grow up with them. Kind of I was so happy to hear you say that, because I know <laughs> both yeah. of
4: my teen series, the publishers spend a lot of effort on making good book trailers for them. I'm like, is
5: anyone ever going to watch these?
3: We do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's really
3: well, good so to know. That,
5: that is you know, one of the answers to the question I posed, which is one of the ways to become your friend is to create a book trailer that is easy for you to consume so that you know whether you should be recommending the book to the students who come into your library.
1: So one of the things that we used to, I was a professional puppeteer before I did the whole writing thing, and one of the things that we used to do to make the shows more palatable to schools is that we came with study guides to go with them. Um, would that Does that
3: same trick yeah, do work? Do you guys
4: use those for books? study guides in the back of the book on occasion. I know Rhythmist has one um, and things like that.
3: That would be something that teachers would maybe use. I mm-hmm. um, okay. I, yeah, you're yeah. not. That's so not, not so your so so much. It's nope. not my thing. I'm just trying. to get them to read. You know, get, yeah, get them
4: excited. <laughs> right. Get them. You know, I've um, noticed specifically for teens that that sort of peer reading is really important. It's the book. You know, you'll find, and it's really interesting. You'll find certain schools, everyone's read your book, and other schools, it sits there and collects dust. Um, and that's all based on one or two kids picking it up, and it suddenly burning through the school like wildfire. Oh, yes. Um, and as a, as a writer of young adult literature, that's the sort of thing you want to get happening. You've got to get a few of these kids hooked or excited about the book and then
2: let them share it. Absolutely. Okay. So I've got a question and I hate this question, but it's really common. So I I have to ask it and get your opinion. Do you see a difference in the reading habits between boys and girls and, you know, what might those differences be?
3: I see boys, uh, leaning more towards the, um, adventure, action, um, sport books, you know, mm-hmm. needs to be a lot going on, uh, girls, I found that girls would read anything, um, that's yeah. an interesting question, that's something, you know, that's something to, uh, consider because, you know, how do, I I mean, yeah, it's hard, it's, it's kind of difficult, Yeah. So. uh.
2: Yeah, the, the standard assumption that everyone mm-hmm. makes is that boys don't read as much. And, and that's never been true in my experience. But I do think they, they tend to read other things, different things than, than girls. I mean, obviously, that's not a blanket statement. Everyone reads mm-hmm. certain, th- certain books. But-, but there is something about our society. Um, I remember reading a study that said, this is,
4: this is kind of a little off topic, but very interesting, that um, when teens are segregated by, um, by gender in schools— the um, uh, interests even out, meaning in only boys' school, you have an equal number of boys doing arts and sciences and reading and things like this. When you put them in a school with girls, the boys gravitate toward what our society has said are boy things. And the same thing happens with girls. In a girl-only school, you have have a high number of girls in math and sciences and things like this. And when you you co-educate, sometimes, and a lot of times in our society specifically, the girls end up doing a certain thing, and the boys end up doing a certain thing. And that happens, I think, with books as well.
1: Yeah. One of the things, is, since we're on this tangent, one of the things that, that also happens, not just with, with women, but with, uh, with my, minorities, mm-hmm. is that as a woman, I get so used to reading books with a male protagonist mm-hmm. and, and having those be the only books that are available, um, although that's uh, thankfully changing, but that um, that it doesn't occur to me right you know that i could seek books with just female protagonists but i think that when you are constantly being represented as you know when you when you are constantly represented that reading things where you are not represented is suddenly yeah. uncomfortable
4: right right and when the default is guy, so it's normal, quote unquote, mm-hmm. to read the guy. If you're just going to assume that what the character is, it's a guy, then you just read that. When woman is the marked status, yeah. um, then it turns things very differently. And that's what's happened in our society a lot, particularly in previous decades. Yeah, and
1: then that, that, gets, uh, that gets reinforced because people go, well, you know, boys will only read things yes. about boys. Girls will read anything, therefore we should have more boy books.
4: Yes, which is not necessarily the case. Right. We just need to teach the boys to read yeah. everything, yeah. which is what they should be doing. We are running out of time. I actually want, I want to give um, Kylie kind of a last word. Um, any other advice to our authors listening about writing books that are going to get those kids excited?
3: Write about what interests you and do it in a voice that will interest them. Um, kids really grip you know, a good character, a good plot, and if, you know, if the writer's passionate about it, they'll be passionate about it. Um,
4: Great. Um, so. We actually had you come up with some homework to give yes. to our students. Um,
3: okay, folks, uh, your homework. Go to the library or your bookstore and tell them three books you love, or, and then ask the librarian for something outside your genre.
4: Yep, we want you to be- And then read, read it. Read it. And it read it. Read it. yes, read it. <laughs> we want to be forcing you to read something different. And so we're going to make you go to an expert who knows their stuff. You're going to tell them what you love and then they're going to pick something different that they love. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for being you, guys. on the thank podcast. Yeah, You're awesome. Thank you, Thanks. you guys are awesome. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses,
0: now go write. And read. Something new.